Welcome to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Coastal Wildlife Lovers, this is Jenna Reynolds, the host of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Hope all's well. Last time you joined me, I was talking about being a trans woman and our hateful and ever fearful society. Uh, makes me so sad. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, though. I got a lot of good feedback, and I'm happy that it touched people. But now, I want to chat about something completely different. I want to talk about false knowledge. I'm sure you might be asking yourself, Jenna, what's false knowledge and what does that have to do with saving coastal wildlife? Well, you may have never heard of the term false knowledge, but trust me, my friends, its influence is all around you. For example, have you ever heard of the expression, we only use 10% of our brain? I'm sure you hear the statement over and over, especially when you were a child, told to you by countless people. But in fact, the statement is totally and utterly false. We may only be using 10% of our total brain at any one given time, but we use 100% of our brain throughout a day, or a week, or certainly during our lifetime. It's not like we could just open up our head, take out a chunk of our brain and throw it away, and expect to be totally healthy and normal. We have separate parts of our brain that do certain tasks. For example, the creative side of our brain isn't going to help you remember a mathematical formula. It just wasn't designed to do that, and so it's going to remain unused during the creative process. But that doesn't mean we don't use all of our brain throughout the day. This idea became popular in 1932 when science fiction writer and editor John W. Campbell wrote a short story that declared no man in all history has ever used even half of the thinking of his brain. A few years later, in 1936, American writer and broadcaster Lowell Thomas popularized the idea in a forward to Dale Carnegie's book entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People by including the false percentage. And I quote, Professor William James of Harvard used to say that the average man develops only 10% of his latent mental ability, unquote. In the 1970s, the Bulgarian-born psychologist George Lorenzo, by the way, these are all men, proposed the teaching method of suggest of suggestopedia believing that we might be using only five to ten percent of our mental capacity over the decades since several books films and short stories have been written related to the myth including the 2014 film lucy starring scarlett johansson in the movie she depicts a character who gains increasingly superhuman almost godlike abilities when she surpasses using 10 percent of her brain incredible what you could do with just 11 right the graphic novel Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness, which is a great book and a really good movie as well, too, also uses the myth, along with the justification that the other 90% is filled with curds and whey, <laughs> as the explanation of why vegans such as antagonist Todd Ingram possesses psychic powers. Sadly, my friends, you don't get psychic powers. You don't get to fly around or be a god by using 11, 15, 20, 30, 50% of your brain. None of it's true. (laughs) We're using all of our brain throughout the day or certainly during the week or months or years. In fact, it's much more likely that even when we're sleeping, a person uses as much of her or his brain as reasonably possible, meaning that large portions of the brain 
are never truly dormant. This statement, however, we only use 10% of our brain is a perfect example of false knowledge. So again, you might be asking, Jenna, what is false knowledge? Well, here it is. So false knowledge is when someone who doesn't really know what they're talking about, and that's really all the time nowadays, perhaps. <laughs> when a person doesn't really know what they're talking about, it makes a statement and then just repeats it over and over and over and over again. So people think it's true. False knowledge that it's not based on science or facts, but it's repeated so often by social media, YouTube, and the news media that you would think that's totally true, but surprise, it's not, right? It's just, it's a false statement just repeated over and over and over and over again by the person, the media, other people, everyone. Everyone's just repeating this, so you think that it's true, but it's not. That's false knowledge. When somebody says something, they know it's not true, and they just keep repeating it over and over and over again, hoping that you think it's going to be true. It was the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw, born on July 26, 1856, and died on November 2nd, 1950, who first, or at least we think is the first person to use the term false knowledge in his 1903 play entitled Man and Superman, subtitled Comedy and a Philosophy. Shaw was the leading playwright of his generation and in 1925 was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. In his play, Man and Superman, one of the drama's heroes, John Tanner, was the author of a pamphlet entitled The Revolutionist Handbook and included a section called uh, Maxims for Revolutionists. In that Maximus for revolutionists are some of Shaw's sayings. Some of them are really quite famous. For example, he, he who can does, he who cannot teaches. You probably have heard that many times. And then also activity is the only road to knowledge. In that pamphlet is another statement that maybe at the time wasn't so famous, but has picked up steam over the decades. And that statement is a learned man is an idler who kills time with study. Beware of his false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. In August 2021, this quotation attributed to the Irish playwright eventually captured the imagination of hundreds of thousands of internet users. And it was posted uh, by Poets, a Facebook community that regularly shares quotations from prominent thinkers and writers. The meme was uh, very widely shared between August 7th and August 9th. In fact, you can Google George Bernard Shaw and up pops that meme. It consisted of a photograph of Shaw along with the following text, beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous and ignorance with the name George Bernard Shaw. Well, when Irish playwright Bernard Shaw issued the above warning, I don't think he really had any idea just how important it would be for today because those people who deny science don't know that the word itself comes from the Latin word knowledge. And to affirm that science does not know, in this case, is really one more clear example of the upside down world or thinking that's prevalent uh, in this false knowledge era. Computers, internet, YouTube, social media enables every person today to be a writer and publisher of information, communicating true or false information, true or false knowledge instantly and globally. And it's very, very easy for a person to publish information on social media, YouTube, or the internet without any evidence, facts, or verification. In fact, many people believe today we have entered a post-truth era where deception is commonplace, which has undermined trust in science and the capacity of individuals in society to make evidence-based and informed choices. There's just so much information out there, it's hard to really find out what's true, what's fact, what's real, and what's false knowledge. 
what's just garbage? Over the centuries, science has come to mean that part of knowledge that is based on tangible elements that can be studied and classified as distinct from more subjective forms of knowledge, such as religion and art. Science deniers, who are generally, in my humble opinion, people who don't understand science because they failed or got a poor grade in their high school science classes. <laughs> I mean, everything's connected, right? So these people, for whatever reason, more has to do probably with money, but I think it also comes back to the fact that they just didn't really pay attention in their science classes. And so they have a belief system to which they remain faithful no matter what the science reveals, and that is they ignore reality to remain steadfast in their beliefs. In doing so, they rely on false knowledge, which is more dangerous than ignorance. And don't get me wrong, ignorance is not stupidity. Intelligent people have the freedom to ignore science in our country as long as it doesn't really endanger them or other people. But not wearing a mask in public during a pandemic does endanger others and oneself during that pandemic. So how is false knowledge important to saving coastal wildlife? Because during this post-truth era, we find ourselves trying to save whales and other marine life from false knowledge. As of today, there's absolutely no evidence or scientific proof or even warnings from whistleblowers from inside the offshore wind industry to suggest that wind turbines have killed whales along the Jersey Shore in 2023. There is, however, more than enough opinions, untruths, lies, and political games from supporters, organizations, and people who receive money to keep the status quo and to protect the fossil fuel industry. There has been a tremendous amount of false knowledge spread by people and organizations, even in the media, that offshore wind is killing whales. In fact, I once had a reporter ask me to prove that offshore wind wasn't killing whales. And I had to tell the person that here in this country, in the United States of America, I only need to prove or provide proof that someone is innocent when the other side is evidence to show that a person is guilty. And so far, there has been no evidence at all. There is nothing based on real science facts, just a lot of fiction, just a lot of opinions spread over and over and over again on social media. I mean, just check X, formerly known as Twitter, or Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. There are so many pictures of very sad dead whales with statements of false knowledge declaring that wind turbines are killing these poor animals. Yet there's absolutely no facts or figures ever to back up these statements. It's just repeated over and over and over and over and over again. Hopefully that they do this so hopefully people, uninformed people, will believe it's fact. And in fact, that side is winning. They are uninformed people, people who just don't really know that much about marine science or marine biology or, or really anything about the coast. Guess what? They're believing it. They think it's true. And so you might be asking, well, then, Jenna, what really is killing the whales? If it's not offshore wind, what is killing the whales? Well, there's a lot of scientific and fact-based information from just using a search engine on the internet, you come across a lot of good information that shows an increasingly stressed marine environment is killing whales from a number of things. Not just one thing, but a number of things. One of the most problems is global warming. It's changing the food patterns in the Gulf of Maine. It's stressing out the whales up there, and it's causing juvenile whales, juvenile humpback whales, and other species of whales to move down south to seek prey so they don't have to physically compete for food resources with adult whales farther north. And as a result, this is bringing whales here to along the Jersey Shore in numbers that maybe we haven't seen in quite a long period of time. There's also been a sharp rise in ship traffic in the New York, New Jersey area. 
especially in 2023, and this has caused many juvenile humpback whales to die from ship strikes. These juvenile humpback whales, and by the way, 90, 95, 98% of all the whales that have died along the Jersey Shore have been juvenile humpback whales, um, and they just don't have the experience to deal with ship traffic. Um, and so as a result, they're just colliding with these ships as you're trying to feed or move around between New York and New Jersey. And so there's more ships than ever before in this area at the same time that there's more whales than ever before. There's also an abundance of viruses and diseases from polluted water and an increase in microplastics, which can harbor bacteria and viruses. So if these whales aren't dying from ship strikes, then they're dying from viruses and diseases which is, is in part due to all the microplastics that contain these bacteria and viruses. And there's also lines and nets and rope from commercial fishing gear, which is, we don't have a huge commercial fishing um, industry here in New York or New Jersey, um, but it's much larger up in New England for sure. And up there, there's a lot of fishing gear, and the whales are feeding by swimming slowly with open mouths, making them vulnerable to long ropes or nets hanging in the water. The injuries can be grisly for sure. Ropes and nets dig into the whale's flesh, their mouth, exhausting or killing the whales after they drag this fishing gear for miles. And this is why sometimes these whales are dying from commercial fishing gear that necessarily might didn't come from here, but came from New England. And yet, it's very difficult to try to have a conversation about these topics about saving whales from these proven threats when all people want to do is falsely believe that offshore wind is a threat to whales. Again, there's no proof of that. There's a tremendous amount of evidence to suggest that global warming, ship traffic, viruses and diseases from microplastic and commercial fishing gear is having a huge impact on killing these whales. But all people want to do is just talk about wind turbines and, and, and they falsely believe that offshore wind is a threat to whales. False knowledge is everywhere on this topic, and as a result, it's very, very difficult to have a conversation about what's really killing whales along the Jersey Shore. No one really wants to talk about the impacts of global warming on whales. No one in the media wants to talk about that. No one in the media wants to talk about ship traffic and how ships are killing whales and what we can do to save whales from the ship traffic. No one wants to talk about microplastics and how that's impacting whales, but they do want to talk about offshore wind. And as a result, we're letting whales die because of false knowledge and people's desire to keep the status quo, organizations' desire to keep the status quo and do nothing about global warming, rising sea levels, and flooded towns and roadways. You know, you, you better get some better boots. You better get higher boots because it seems like every time we get a rainstorm around here nowadays, our roads and our streets and our towns are getting flooded, especially along the coast. I don't remember it being so bad when I was a kid, and, and certainly it's getting worse, it seems like, every year. So we can't save the whales until people stop believing all the false knowledge that's repeated on social media and poorly managed news media. When you see false knowledge, we need to train our minds to ask, show me the evidence, show me the facts, show me your sources, right? We should be asking that. When we see something in social media, we should automatically respond by saying, okay, great, show me the evidence, where is the facts, show me your sources. What's that you say? You want evidence? <laughs> okay, here's some evidence. There was a really good article in the September 19, 2023 edition of Yale University Climate Connection, something that just came out recently, written by Pearl Marvell, M-A-R-V-E-L-L, -L, and entitled, Wind Opponents Spread Myths About Dead Whales. And they claim the offshore wind is responsible for a spike in whale deaths. Experts don't buy it, but interest groups backed by fossil fuel money are spreading false knowledge. 
And there was a really good quote, one quote in the article that caught my eye, and it read, and I, and, and, uh, I quote here, that, thinking that the thinking whales are being killed by offshore wind exploration is just dumb said Andrew Reed, a professor of marine biology and director of Duke Marine Lab at Duke University in North Carolina. Reed has been studying marine mammals for decades. Reed compared the sounds emitted during offshore wind surveying to the sound of a fan in a room. And he said that if the technology used to survey the ocean floor could cause damage to a marine mammal, it wouldn't be humpback whales that would be vulnerable. It would be species like harbor porpoises that are more sensitive to sonar frequency used to survey the seafloor and have been observed avoiding these noisy areas. Unquote. So not whales, but porpoises. Now that's very interesting because I don't think a single porpoise has washed up dead on a beach here in New York or New Jersey in 2023. Now I could be wrong, but even if I am, if one does die, I mean these animals die from natural causes too. Nothing lives forever. I mean, come on, folks. Everybody dies. Everything dies eventually. We can't always contribute deaths to a smoking gun. People do die naturally, and that includes animals as well. Oh, and by the way, we're going to be talking more about harbor porpoises during a future Safe Coast of Wildlife podcast soon. I just I find it really fascinating that there are more harbor porpoises here in New York and New Jersey area than every four. And not just during the winter when you normally would see them when I was a kid, but year-round now there are harbor porpoises. In fact, we were seeing harbor porpoises over the summertime uh, around Raritan Bay in that area where we're doing our plankton studies. So it's a really fascinating topic, and we're going to talk more about harbor porpoises and what's going on with them in a couple of weeks. But for now, I'm going to continue about false knowledge, and I want to give you another example of how false knowledge is destroying life, not just for whales— and marine mammals, but people and the future of science. Now, here's a statement. Females are biologically inferior math and engineering skills. Is that true? I hear that recently. Like I heard that a couple of years ago. I was watching a, a news channel. I'm not going to say which one, but I was watching a news channel, and there was a guy, it's always a guy, that's saying, you know what, There was the women are just uh, not capable, not biologically capable of doing math and engineering. And of course, nobody really said anything after that, but I thought, I thought, I thought it was fascinating. And so um, are females biologically inferior math and engineering skills? Is that true? You hear it all the time. Is it true or false? Of course it's false. It's totally untrue. It's totally false. Statistically, males and females have very similar grade averages in math courses from grade school through college and doctorate level classes. Male enrollment, however, drastically outnumbers female enrollment. And why would that be the case? Because there's still a lot of sexism in math and engineering fields to stop women in groups from entering. There was a September 14, 2022 article published by UNICEF that showed that girls worldwide are lagging behind boys in mathematics with sexism and gender stereotypes among the root causes. In the United States, in mathematics, just 15% of tenure-track positions are held by women. Just 15%. One of the lowest percentages among the sciences, along with computer science at 18% and engineering at 14%, the lowest among the sciences. So sad. There was a really good article written in The Atlantic by Jane C. Hu, H.U., entitled, Why Are There So Few Women in math uh, Mathematics? How a Corrosive Culture Keeps Women Out of Leadership Positions on Math Journals, published November 4, 2016. 
and it tells of how a mathematician, Chad Topaz, T-O-P-A-Z, and a computer scientist, Siladad Sen, S-E-N, analyzed 13,000 editor positions on 435 math journals. And they found that just under 9%, under 9% of all math journal editor positions are held by women. And the Medium Journal has an editorial board with 7.6% of editor positions held by women. But one of one in 10 journals have no female editors at all. That's crazy. Here it is 2023, and women don't have a prominent position in math or engineering. And so why is this the case? One factor Topaz and Sen believe contributes to the lack of women in math and engineering fields is what they call the brilliance effect, quote-unquote the brilliance effect. It is the belief by some people in the STEM field that natural brilliance drives success rather than hard work or persistence. And sadly, women are less likely to be seen as brilliant. In other words, you're either born brilliant or you're not brilliant at all. And clearly, there are many people in the sciences, especially in math and engineering, believe that boys are more likely to be born brilliant than girls. And this is just garbage. This is totally false knowledge. But this is the false knowledge that's out there. One recent study that analyzed reviews of professors on the site RateMyProfessor.com found that the fields where the words with the words brilliant and genius were less likely to be attributed to women. And women then were less likely to reach upper levels of academia. The implication is that to be a math this is a quote by Topaz. The implication is that to be a mathematician, you have to be brilliant. And many women are not viewed as being brilliant. So sad. Just like the whales, it's difficult to have a conversation about sexism in the STEM fields of math and engineering because so many people believe the false knowledge that women are biologically inferior to men in math and engineering. They're just not brilliant. It's not biology. It's sexism. The patriarchy still exists in science. And this is why it's so important to speak out against false information and fake science and forcefully contradict people who promote it. We need to strengthen science in our society and in our schools. And so one of the most effective techniques to combat false knowledge is simply to pause and think about whether a piece of information is true or is it false. That is, rather than going with a gut, feel, gut feeling, don't listen to your gut. As one, one person once said, if your gut is talking to you, go to your sandwich. It should be your brain that's telling you what to do. Right? So don't go with your gut feeling. Stop and do some research by credible science organizations. See if something is false or not. And just ask people to show them the evidence and the proof. Great. You have something you want to say? Back it up. What's the evidence? What's the proof? Ask people to cite their sources and facts. Where is the evidence? And really, once you start asking people for their evidence, this is really when people start shutting up. They're going to change the topic to something else. They're not going to talk about that anymore because they don't have any sources. They don't have any facts. And so while the problem of misinformation can be seen overwhelming, it's important to remember that all of us as individuals can play a role in improving the quality information we see. We control what spreads on social media and can be responsible for what we share and publicize. We have a responsibility to tell the truth. As former New York Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan once famously said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. So until next time, something to think about, right? So until next time, be kind, be healthy, and spread, spend more time outdoors.
This is Jenna, Jenna Reynolds, director of Save Coastal Wildlife Nonprofit and host of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. For more information, please visit our website at www.savecoastalwildlife.org. Be well, everyone. You have been listening to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. More information about Save Coastal Wildlife and our citizen scientists and volunteer activities, including monitoring horseshoe crabs and seals to beach cleanups and monitoring the beach for microplastics can be found at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please share the podcast on social media and tell your family and friends about it. If you would like to support Save Coastal Wildlife, please go to our website and click on the donate button at savecoastalwildlife.org. Thank you for your support. We depend on the kindness and generosity of people for everything we do. Join us next time for another episode of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Sane in the bay, what will we find today? We gotta save coastal wildlife where the horseshoe crabs and the osprey play. Save coastal wildlife on the shores and in the bay. Turtles, whales, and seals, let them be. We all must learn to protect the sea. Keep the waters clean, it's up to you. Left on the shore, the birds and the fish won't come anymore. Protect and preserve the wildlife today. We gotta save coastal wildlife where the horseshoe crabs and the osprey play. Save coastal wildlife on the shores and in the bay. Goodbye.